evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Author Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. I'm Susan Violante, Associate Editor at Reader Views, filling in for Irene Watson. And I'm Tyler Tischler from Superior Book Promotions in Marquette, Michigan. I'd like to welcome all our listeners to episode number 157 in our series. Tonight's topic will be maximizing ebook sales on all platforms Kindle, Nook, Kobo, iBook, and Library Wholesalers. You can learn more about our guest, Victor Volkman, on the Authors Access website, which is authorsaccess.com. We would love to hear from you about tonight's show. Please send your questions and comments to info at authorsaccess.com. Now, tonight's guest, Victor Volkman, is usually our, our host, so we're going to put him in the interview seat tonight. Victor R. Volkman published his first book in 2003 and soon discovered many others needed help in producing self-help, personal growth, and trauma recovery books. His company, Loving Healing Press, and its imprints, including Modern History Press and Marvelous Spirit Press, have since produced more than 150 books in hardcover, paperback, and ebook. He has made getting total market coverage in ebooks the fastest growing media market, the centerpiece of his strategy for the last 18 months. In that time period, he has added sales channels on Amazon Kindle, Barnes and Noble Nook, and Kobo platforms, as well as entered agreements with ProQuest, eBrary, Content Reserves, Overdrive, and other library wholesalers to maximize market share. And of course, ebooks are a really hot topic. So, um, welcome, Victor. We're excited to hear what you have to say about them tonight. Well, thank you, Tyler. It's uh, been a long time since I've been in the hot seat, and I hope to make the most of it. Well, I'm glad you're in the hot seat today because I've been <laughs> wanting to learn more about ebooks. <laughs> so, I'm Great. really glad that I'm to to be uh, taking over for Irene tonight because um, most of the independent publishers that are out there are more, more or less like me. That's how everybody starts. You publish one book, you're not happy how it came out, and then you start being, uh, try to do it yourself. And, yep. um, you know, and of course, um, a half of all the things that uh, Tyler mentioned on your bio, I'm not familiar with, like Kobo and ProQuest, eBerry. <laughs> so, uh, uh let us find out a little bit more. How can a self-publisher compete against big names like Random House in the evil market when we don't know half of what they know? Well, that's a good question. Actually, the ebook market is the last level playing field there is, where small publishers can compete with big houses like uh, Random House or or any of the other top-tier publishers, because. Unlike in uh, brick-and-mortar stores where you have to fight like crazy to get on the shelf, much less, you know, on a table or have an event in a bookstore uh, without paying the bookstore a lot of money, the ebook bookstores are more than happy to give your book the same quality shelf space as the ones from uh, Random House. And although you might not be on the front page, if someone searches for a term that involves the title of your book or your name or anything about your book, why, you know, your book is right up there next to the competing book that may have, they may have printed 100,000 copies, but who can tell by looking at the screen? And if you do your homework, produce an excellent cover, 
you price your book competitively versus the big publishers and you take advantage of social media, then you have just as good of a chance to make a sale as they do. So we're all basically the same in the eyes of um, the online store. Absolutely. And you've got an advantage because you aren't renting several floors of a skyscraper in New York, as far as I know. No. <laughs> right? So you don't have... Nope. <laughs> you can do it on a shoe stream. You can Whatever call, support calls you need from the vendors, you can handle on your own cell phone uh, so you don't have that in front of you. You know real people in your social media, so you can uh, promote your book uh, through Twitter. It doesn't cost a thing, right, and, and through your blogs and so on. You're making me sound, yeah, it, it's, 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 you're giving us hope here because I thought it would be more complicated. So as long as I can provide with the... Uh, all the marketing tools, you know, the cover that are that will hooks and and all that stuff. I have the same chance as um, I don't know Stephen King coming into uh, the picture with one of the big uh, houses. That's right. I, I hate to always bring up Amanda Hawking, but here she is, you know, twenty-something-year-old girl in uh, northern Minnesota, I think, and she sold into six figures on Amazon with her eBooks. And not by spending money. (laughs) I mean, you're a publisher, a traditional publisher as well, because uh, you've published so many people since you started. And so I'm wondering, have you seen a big difference in in uh, with the ebook sales um, compared to the printed sales? I mean, how has ebook impacted your sales mix over the last year? Right. I was one of the early adopters in 2007 when the Kindle came out. I put up I put out a couple of books and nothing happened and I kind of just let it go away until I think it was the fall of 2009 and it took you know two two and a half years for the ebook market to to really produce anything and around late 2009 I think one of my new ebooks really took off and started outselling the print version. That made me sit up and take notice. Okay. Industry wide you'll hear figures of ten, I don't know, maybe up to twenty percent of sales being ebooks. But there's all kinds of extremes. Uh probably between five and ninety five percent of different publishers' sales are coming from e-books as opposed to printed books. Now, why why is this? I think because of the level playing field, the sales favor the smaller publishers who are, let's face it, selling fewer printed books, so e-books tend to be a larger part of their market share. And for me personally, my corporation, I think it was around February of 2012 that... Uh, the total ebook sales drifted over over the 50% margin. So right now, as of March, which is my latest figures, 56% of our sales is from ebooks, and 44% are from printed books. Well, I remember uh, uh, my first edition came out in 2009, and I was debating whether or not to do ebooks because a lot of people would tell me that um, older people will not go for ebooks. Well, let me tell you that I went to speak to this Italian club, uh, book club. That, uh-huh. um, um, they, they invited me because they read my book. 
and they were all old ladies. There were um, about 16 old ladies there. None of them, no, I'm lying, one person had a, a, a printed book. Everybody else had a Kindle. Wow. Yep. 16 ladies, only one, and the one that was uh, with the printed book was not American. She was actually from uh, the U.K. So, um, yep. <laughs> and I don't know whether Europeans are a little bit more traditional with the printing uh, book, that, uh, but um, all the old ladies, I'm talking between the ages of 68 or around 70-year-old. I'm not talking young old ladies. I'm talking up there. Yep. Well, there's, there's a lot of advantages for older folks. Uh, if you travel a lot, they're portable. I mean, they don't weigh anything at all. And best of all, for me, who's still dodging bifocals, mm-hmm. I can adjust the print size with a press That's of a how button. I got into it. That's how I, because I, I, I go crazy with my glasses, and so I, um, I got into it. I didn't think I would. And yeah, I'm, I'm one of the people that have um, all ebooks now. So. That's. It's funny that you mention international sales. I'll just go on a little segue here. I didn't have time to really do a breakdown of the different countries. But uh, for those of you who want to work outside the U.S., really the the Kobo is your best e-reader platform for grabbing some of those great international sales. And so the Kobo is just another little tablet-sized thing, no different really. You know, from 40 feet away, it would look the same as a Kindle or or the Nook. Uh, but they have uh, the company is based in Toronto, I believe, and they have more market share than Amazon does in in Canada. Because I don't know whether it's due to rights management or whatever, but Amazon has not made a serious go at Kindle in Canada, and as such, the Kobo has has pretty much taken the market share there. And they're also, I'm also seeing Kobo sales. My sales reports tell me what country, you know, each sale was made in. In Belgium, and I think in Australia and New Zealand. Canadians, when they think ebook reader, they think Kobo. Uh, Victor, can you tell us, um, like, for example, in the U.S., I'm assuming most people use the Kindle or the Nook. Um, and what the what the market shares are for for those like does does it, are more ebooks sold on Kindles than on Nooks versus say the Kobo and and whatever other e-reader platforms there are. Right, Tyler. You know, to hear Amazon talk about it, you would think that they have you know eighty or ninety percent market share, but really they're only floating around. I think between fifty and sixty percent. Market share. I'm seeing as of March 58% sales on Amazon. I'm going to post a little pie chart that'll be right next to the podcast. So, I mean, it's hard to talk about percentages on the radio, but I'll just go down the list. Okay, in in roughly round numbers, Amazon roughly 60%, Barnes and Noble, Nook 20%, Apple iBook platform 15%, uh, Kobo about 5% market share. The rest of them are split between the last 5%, which includes, weirdly enough, Google and the uh, the library ebook wholesalers, which is a whole topic we can get into later. Okay. I'm, I Also, I want to go back to where you talked about um, how the last couple months you've sold more ebooks than paper books. 
and that that definitely shows that that's a trend. But I'm wondering what your thoughts are about whether or not that's really an advantage to an author or a publisher. Because I'm I'm just thinking, you know, if I have a twenty dollar paperback and I sell that, say through the through the local bookstore at a forty percent discount, I'm still making twelve dollars off that book. And if I'm going to sell it on um, of course, I have I have printing costs too. So maybe my printing cost was five dollars for that book. So I'm making a profit of seven. But but if I'm selling it through Kindle, even if I'm selling it at nine ninety five, my my uh, profit is less than what the print book would be. So is the ebook trend really going to hurt the bottom line down the road for authors and publishers? Do you think? That is the sixty four million dollar question. And, you know, the, the big New York publishers are just livid by really the Amazon being the 800-pound gorilla it is and driving all ebook prices down to the 995 level through a program they started about two years ago. And most people know about this, but I'll just mention it for people who don't obsess over discounts and stuff like I do. But if your book is priced over 995, you only collect 30% of the sale price. But if it's below 995, you're getting 70%. So, and really, as irritating as that is for you know publishers who are used to getting high margins on brand new books, right? That's how their sales model has worked for 100 years. Really, we wouldn't have eBooks as a popular culture item if Amazon hadn't uh, driven it down below the $10 mark because before Amazon had, you know, created that big policy shift where you could get a lot higher margins by lowering the price of your book. I was seeing that the conventional wisdom was that ebooks should be two thirds the cost of the printed book. So $20 books were selling for $12, and sometimes closer to 75%, 13, 14, 15. And people weren't biting. It was something about double digits, whatever, call it, you know, business psychology that people wouldn't latch on to ebooks until it fell below a certain threshold. So, given that that's the world we're living in, what are the advantages of the platform? Well, first you've got you got impulse buying, right? People can get instant gratification if they've got, like the Kindle with the 3G, they can be sitting in the park, talk to someone, they, a neighbor they meet who mentions something, and they can go buy a book and be reading it literally before they sit down on the park bench. So that's uh, a major advantage that you'll never see with printed books. And the other thing which will eventually help you and, and I and others is library sales of ebooks. There are a lot of even small town libraries that have signed up for one of the two library wholesalers, two or three big ones, such as Content Reserve, ProQuest, eBrary, and EBSCO. And their whole purpose of existence, for the most part, is to sell. Uh, ebooks to libraries and library ebooks do not have an unlimited number of lendings. You would think that an electronic book wouldn't wear out, but the sales agreements are such that after a certain number of lendings, the library has to buy, pony up for another 
copy of the ebook. Okay. So that's that's one way you can start to see some excitement. And the other thing, which is is breaking news, kind of at the American Library Association and other librarians are starting to talk about the uh, the patron-driven access model, or PDA. Now, this is, means that your library can have an ebook on its shelf without having purchased it first. In other words, they could list your books in their catalog, and if a patron comes by and says, "Oh, I want to, I want to read this book," an order goes from the library to the wholesaler. The wholesaler releases the ebook to the library, and the library delivers it to their patron, and everybody's happy, and you've just made a sale. That's great. Actually. So what? what I'm, I'm taking notes. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what um what like what uh which kind of ebook or or platform or library use is our libraries using? And um can you tell us um are there I guess people like they have to decide do they want to use a Kindle reader or do they want to use a use a Nook or is it possible that they can read ebooks without without needing a reader are there are there independent uh forms as as PDFs or something along those lines Okay there's a whole lot of questions there I'm going to try and answer them all Uh the first question was how or which which wholesalers are working with the libraries? Or I'm sorry. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, it was about a year ago that uh, Content Reserve uh, was rumored to have a deal with Amazon, and in September of 2011, they signed the deal so that people could bring their Kindles to the library and and get library books uh, on their Kindle. And the only way to do that right now is through Content Reserve. And Content Reserve gets their digital materials directly from Amazon. So you don't ever have to upload your files to Content Reserve if you're already selling your books on Amazon. All you have to do is sign the agreement with Content Reserve and agree to their terms. Now, wholesalers, there's no magic. they got to get a piece of the pie, right? And where Amazon would pay you 70% of list right for your typical price range book the ebook wholesalers are giving you 50%. So that's their cut for giving you access to 10,000 libraries. So that's that's one channel. Okay. The other two that I know a lot about are the eBrary and EBSCO platforms and those are in the form of for the most part believe it or not they take PDFs and you either in a web browser or you install an app on your computer that lets you read a PDF in a controlled fashion where it shows you one page at a time, page forward, page backward. You don't ever have the whole PDF file on your your computer. It's like a stream equivalent of streaming audio. You know how you're listening to Pandora or something and music comes by and it goes by but it's not really saved to your hard drive. That's how you read books on uh, eBrary or EBSCO. Although I think eventually they'll be in the position where they're delivering EPUBs to the reader. I think it's inevitable that they're going to have to do that or lose market share. I just have one question. So when when we're talking about all these um, wholesalers, eBrary, EBSCO, um, Content Reserved from Amazon, 
they are all different formats that you have to submit. You have to change the PDF into different formats, one for Kindle, one for, or, or, or is there um, um, a, a format that will work for every, everything? At all. Yeah, this this is an important question, Susan, and it's very confusing, and the answer is probably going to change over time. And as time goes by, you may want to uh, update your ebook as the features improve on the device. For example, the original Kindle device did not support uh, tables like you see on a web page. So you actually had to take a screenshot of your table and save it, and that looks horrible. Uh, it just doesn't look good on a Kindle. But the new Kindle Fire, which came out last fall, you must have heard about it, uh, that will that will display tables now. So if you published your ebook before 2012 and it had tables in it, why well, you want to republish it? So that's one that's one part of the answer. But really, it looks like EPUB is is going to be the universal standard that everyone uses. Amazon very quietly rolled out about sometime in the last year the ability to have a tool where you could upload an EPUB and it would convert it into the Amazon Kindle format. Because there used to be a big schism, like those of us who are old enough to remember VHS and Betamax from the 80s, where the, the popular videotape players, and you had to decide, am I going to you know, buy a VHS player and be able to rent these movies, or am I going to get Sony Betamax player, which is higher quality but less selection? So at least from a supplier point of view, which is us people in the publishing business, it looks like EPUB is, is going to be the dominant form. So EPUB, you can, you can transfer pretty seamlessly onto the Kindle. EPUB is the native format for iBook. EPUB is the native format for Kobo. But the library uh, and, as I mentioned, Content Reserve just uses Kindle, so there's nothing to do there, right? But the, the eBrary and ProQuest are based on PDFs. But let's face it, PDFs are easy to make, right? I mean, if you're going to do a printed book, PDF comes out as a byproduct anyways. So in submitting my books, I haven't done really anything but send them the same PDF that I sent off to Lightning Source to get printed. So PDFs you get for free. It's up to you to figure out how you're going to get your EPUBs made. Wow. Uh, uh, Victor, I'm kind of, I've been hearing about Amazon KDP Select, and I, I think I understand it's sort of like a, a lending library, but I, I understand there's some controversy about it, and I wonder if you could just kind of explain that to us and, uh, you know, what you think are the pros and cons of it. Sure. Yeah, the KDP Select started in December of 2011, and uh, there were a lot of people who jump on the bandwagon. Uh, there's last time I looked, about 50,000 titles in the KDP Select system, and the big carrot is a $600,000 purse each month, which is divided proportionally among. Uh, all the people who participate by rank of sales. Okay, so if your ebook sold accounted for 10% of the volume, you would get 10% of $60,000, which is 10% uh, of 600,000, which is $60,000. But I mean, if you divide it out, 600,000 divided by 
50,000 titles, I don't think you're going to see the average person getting much more than a couple, maybe $100 or 150 or if they're a high-selling book. And, of course, if you don't do well against the competition, your slice of the pie is rather small. One of the big attractions of KDP Select also is the so-called five free promotion days. And before December of 2011, certain high-profile books were allowed to be posted as free for Kindle. And really, Kindle bottom price is 99 cents unless you can get a special dispensation to be a free ebook. Now, why would you want to do that? Well, the theory is that you know if it's free ebook, then then 10 times as many people will read it and recommend it to 10 times as many of their friends. And when the free period ends, uh, the rest is all gravy. So uh, that's the theory of, of free ebooks. The other prong, which I should mention before I digress, is if you're an Amazon Prime customer, you can get a certain number of these KDP Select books for, for no cost at any time. In other words, not just during the five free promotional days. Uh, KDP Select is like their, it's sort of like their Costco or Sam's Club program where you pay a certain number of dollars per year. It's like 60 or 70 or 80 bucks a year. And you get uh, free shipping and some other perks like free videos and now free ebooks. So, I mean, the ebook is free to the customer, but Amazon obviously pays the author uh, something for that. So, those are the aspects of it. I just tried to do it, the first one, the sort of research for this episode. Um, a few weeks ago, I entered my first title in the KDP Select, and I worked really hard and managed to give away 260 copies. Now, I mean, there are success stories of people who have managed to give away 5,000 copies of their book, but um turns out it's hard work to give away free ebooks. <laughs> Uh, so it, it it is uh, basically what we're doing, whatever uh, what we're doing in the and um, the different on with ebooks is that marketing tools are more accessible to us, like the you know uh, participating KDP. I mean, there's more options for independent people that if you could just go the printing way. Uh, and a lot of that stuff has to do with what you do uh, with your book and. Um, yeah. The, the metadata and all that. So why don't we talk a little bit about metadata? What is metadata and how important is it in the big picture? Well, metadata is literally data about your book. And I was trying to explain this to Tyler before we got on the air. And the best description I could come up with is it's it's everything that you could know about your book without actually opening the cover. So uh, I store all my metadata in a spreadsheet. So I have all the information handy for each title, and that includes the ISBN, the imprint that it belongs to, the title, the subtitle, the edition number, the author name, uh, if it's a series book, what series it belongs to, the binding of the book in multiple formats, the list price, the exact date it was released, the number of pages, and the official uh, Book industry standard category. So that's that's a that's an overview 
of of your book data. And really, you know, if someone's not going into a brick and mortar store, they're not going to know anything other than the metadata about your book. That plus the book cover pretty much makes up what you're going to see at an online bookstore. So, for example, when you go to join uh, Kobo or iBook through Ingram, iBook is actually so hard to work with that uh, Ingram has a program where you can have Ingram deal with Apple for you. <laughs> okay. But for either of these two platforms, you have to uh, copy all of this data I mentioned into a spreadsheet and upload it into their computer system, and they use that to help make the book description for you. So really, it's everything that you want the world to know about your book. And that's up to the, the independent publisher. Like It will be on a regular publisher to provide it to this wholesaler of your ebook. Right, and you can you can provide some of these. Uh, that's I gave you the basics, but there's also you can go even further with many of these uh, wholesalers and online stores. You can provide uh, an about the author section that's maybe two thousand words. You can provide the first chapter of the book. Um, you can provide uh, reviews of the book and all this other stuff that you can have uploaded so that. You have a really nice listing when it when it's presented to the customer. Good to know. I didn't know that. Um, I also wanted to ask you. Um, I, I've been thinking a lot about you know we have the independent stores, uh, you know the little bookstore on the on the corner and and all that. Are there platform independent stores online, and uh, how, how can we work with? There are a few here and there. Um, Google is sort of the, the big unaffiliated one. They don't have an official e-reader type platform. So uh, Google's out there. It's very easy to sign up for. Um, you can enter your data about your books online. You don't have to go through this whole uh, creating a spreadsheet of data about your books. You can... And they'll take and sell both EPUBs and PDFs. So the customer who buys a book from Google eBooks, recently renamed Google Play, uh, can choose their format of, of EPUB uh, versus PDF. And, of course, there's also Smashwords, which is kind of one of the granddaddies of, of, of eBooks stores. And they have a, a distribution system that you can also sign up for. Um, and there's pros and cons of that. We can get into that if we still have time. There's different stores such as Waterstones in the U.K., which caters to U.K. customers, so everything's in U.K. prices and so on. And, uh, I mean, if you're self-publishing, this isn't an issue, but for publishers, they have to make sure that they have secured the rights to a book in, in all the markets that they want to sell it. And this would only be an issue for you if you were reprinting someone else's work, probably. Uh, 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 along those yeah. lines, I'm I'm a, I'm a little bit confused because not too long ago, the local bookstore here, it's an independent bookstore, um, announced that they were going to start selling ebooks off of their website. And I asked them, well, how can you do that? And I didn't really understand their answer because I was thinking, oh, yes. well, how how would you do that? I mean, the, like these Google books, 
if you buy one of them, how do you read it? Can you only read it like on your laptop, or because you don't, you wouldn't have a Kindle or a ebook reader, would you? Well, for Google, you just plug your uh, e-reader into your USB port, and you know, drag and drop your your file. Uh, so you from, can read it on your Kindle, a Google yeah. book. Okay. Yeah, and some of these wholesalers, I know Content Reserve uh, works with library systems and small stores. So they can put up a storefront on their site that looks like, you know, mom-and-pop store, and but their fulfillment can be done through one of these wholesalers. They can still make some money um, I, that way. I, I, I actually, I read uh, PDFs through my Nook. Oh, okay. Yeah, Great. You can do that, too, with the, with the Nook. Yeah, I often take Word documents and save them as text files to get them into my Kindle. It's kind of goofy, but it works just fine. You can still put the fonts big, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, in the point of view of a publisher, I'm very curious about this. Um, when when I go on the Internet, I see everybody has my book at a different price um, because they all have different offers and then... And, and, you know, there's a printed type of book that uh, my publisher must be receiving, plus whatever sells on online. How do you handle all these different uh, prices that vendors have? Yeah, well, that's the interesting thing about uh, the free market economy is that, you know, I offer my books up to the wholesalers like Ingram at a 55% uh, discount. And that gives them a lot of leeway to sell to the bookstores. Uh, so I can, you know, I'll see a $20 book anywhere from $13.99 to $19.99 in the printed book uh, domain. And uh, uh, for ebooks, it should be a lot easier to do price changing. For example, one thing that uh, you can do with an ebook that you can't really do with a printed book is you can have a special, all right, this week it's 99 cents just to get it out there. And I do that from time to time, you know, just uh, that sort of thing. And uh, for the for some of the platforms, it, it depends, it's varying degrees of difficulty to, to do price changes. And uh, if you read the fine print on Amazon, if you elect to choose their high payout program, which is the 70% of list, right? Everyone wants to get, you know, seven bucks from a $10 ebook. You're also giving them the right to competitively match prices by taking, by accepting that uh, thing. So if you go and you list your book for $9.95 at Amazon, but you make it $4.95 at Barnes Noble, their price matching engine will find that because it's, you know, it's like the Terminator. It's always out there looking for stuff. And it will reprice your book, and you will get uh, less money out of that. Now, that being said, um, it's if you have more than five or six books, it's a real pain to, to make any kind of significant price changes on Amazon or, or Nook because you have to do so many clicks. You've got to open each book, adjust the price, hit OK, hit the publish button, go back to the main menu, pick the next book. And frankly, I would do a lot more competitive pricing if the interface wasn't so so difficult for that. Some of the other platforms like the, the Kobo and the Apple iBook, all you do, you want to change prices? And also Google, just 
do is find and replace in your spreadsheet, upload a new spreadsheet, 30 seconds, and you're done. So um, there's, there's a, a lot a lot to learn in that. Yeah, it's kind of overwhelming thinking of, um, you know, uh, as an independent person uh, trying to keep up with all this, you know, uh, without knowing much about it. It's, it's kind of overwhelming. I can see why there's so many... Um, authors when I'm dealing in interviews that are going crazy with it, who are not technologically uh, trained uh, and they're trying to handle their own books. Um, do you have any advice for independent authors well, who are trying to manage their own e-books? Yeah, I mean, a lot of authors, I see it on the message boards, you know, they think, I've done Amazon Kindle, I've done everything I should do, I'm done. Well, no, you're not. You've only done 60% of what you need to do, and I'm eating your lunch because people on Barnes & Noble aren't seeing your book, and they're buying my book instead. So, you know, please don't just do one platform, even if it's hard. If you if you're, don't like a, you know, don't like the challenge of finding out how to do every single thing, uh, you can always go to Smashwords and, and use them as the front end, and they will take one file from you, which is actually a Word document, and make it simultaneously available on the Kindle, the iBook, which includes iPad and iPhone and iEverything, uh, the Nook, and the Sony Sony eBook Reader, and Kobo, and a couple other platforms. Now, that sounds like a great idea, but with Smashwords, you have to format your Word document in a very, very precise way. And there's like a, I don't want to exaggerate it, but I think there's like a 20-page style guide on how you're supposed to prepare your Word document so that it comes out right on the other end. So point A, you've done all their work for them, right? I mean, you've put your Word file in such a way that it can be machine-generated uh, with no, no human eyes are ever going to see it before it goes out. Well, I mean, you know, it's automated. And part B is you're basically giving up 10% of every sale that you make uh, to them. And if you're okay with that, then that's all right. Because their maximum payout is 60%. Unlike uh, if you sell through uh, Amazon directly or Barnes & Noble directly, you can get seven, 70%. So on a $10 ebook, uh, you know, you're giving a dollar of each sale uh, to Smashwords for... Not a really good reason, and forever. <laughs> so, but it, you know, if you don't want the challenge, or you just want to be done with it, you, there's no no shame in using Smashwords. It depends um, on how much I, more, I, how much you want to do, and how much you want to let somebody make, uh, as long as they do the work for you. you yeah. Well, I think we've gone over our usual time, but I, I know it's, it's such a big topic. So I, I was wondering if, to wrap up if you had anything that you feel we didn't cover that um, people really should know about ebooks. Well, let me think. Um, I think I pretty much said everything I want to say, so I'll just cut this part out of the interview. But thanks for asking. <laughs> But thank you I for the all the power. information, Victor. <laughs> You're welcome. Yeah, and Victor, do you want to uh do you do you have like a website that you want to tell us about? Your your websites and uh Sure, I'll plug plug my stuff. Uh the main 
publishing site is www.lhpress, that's L as in Larry, H as in Hotel, P-R-E-S-S.com. And uh, it's a terrible website, and it needs a lot of work. But go go there and see what kind of books we have, and most of the links will take you to, to Amazon. And you can follow me on Twitter with the handle vvolkman, that's V-V-O-L-K-M-A-N. If people don't want to go through the trouble of doing their own ebooks, like uh, that, they could they could get you to do the the conversions for them, or hire somebody to do the conversions for them. If you have three or more books that you're interested in converting to ebooks, uh, you can contact me uh, through my email address, Victor at lhpress.com, and I will. Uh, have a look at your source materials and uh, make a bid and uh, see if I can help you uh, achieve your ebook success. So thanks for asking. Great. Thank you, Victor, and uh, thank you for being our guest. Awesome. You've been, you've been listening to another podcast edition of Authors Access, where authors get published and published authors get successful. You can learn more about our guest on the Authors Access website, which is authorsaccess.com. Stay tuned for the next episode, all about Galley Cat, the first word on the book publishing industry, with special guest Jason Boog. We would love to hear from you about tonight's show. Please send your questions and comments to info at authorsaccess.com. Authors Access is a joint production of Reader Views Incorporated and Loving Healing Press. For Reader Views, this is Susan Violante in Austin, Texas. And for Superior Book Promotions in Marquette, Michigan, this is Tyler Tischlar wishing you all a good evening. <laughs>